Lord be with you. Our scripture today comes to us from 1 Samuel chapter 28, beginning with the third verse. We are continuing in a series on Mondays of homilies, looking at what it means to be leaders, leaders called by God, particularly during stressful times. We've been looking at the lives of Saul and David. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had mourned for him and buried him in Ramah, his own city. Saul had expelled the mediums and the wizards from the land. The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. Saul gathered all of Israel, and they encamped at Gilboa. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, so that I may go to her and inquire of her. His servant said to him, There is a medium at Endor. So Saul disguised himself and put on other clothes and went there, and he and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night, and he said, Consult a spirit for me. Bring up for me the one whom I name you. The word of the Lord. Once again, holy God, we have taken our place in front of your open word, asking that your spirit would teach us from it. As you inspired the writing of this, please so inspire our hearing of it that we might be transformed in our response to your call upon our lives as well. In the name of Christ Jesus, amen. The prophet Samuel is the one who anointed Saul to be king. He stayed with Saul, as I mentioned earlier. He stayed with Saul longer than God did. Whenever Saul had questions about his calling, he would go to Samuel, who would remind him that he was anointed and should be the leader of the people. Whenever Saul was in need of a word from God, he had only to go to Samuel, who would be quick to offer it to him. Whenever Saul was in trouble or had been making mistakes, which was frequent, Samuel was always there to get him out of the ditch. But then Samuel died and was buried. And Saul was without his prophet. This leads us to two important questions that Saul faced that I want us to look at today, which have great bearing on what it means to be a leader in the kingdom of Christ. Two questions. Who knew a two-point sermon? Here we go. First question is, what do you do when your prophet dies? You all have someone who has fulfilled Samuel's role in your life. Maybe it was a mentor, a teacher, a parent perhaps even, a supervisor, or a theologian whose books you always went to, you have dog-eared so many pages and underlined so much of their work, this is the person that you trust the most. 
But a day will come when either literally or figuratively you will need to bury that prophet. Because as the old hymn goes, time is an ever-rolling stream and there will be a new context in which you are expected to speak. And for that, you will need a new teacher, a new prophet, someone who can say to you the words that are appropriate to this day and confessional in this particular context. How will you find that person? What will you do when Samuel dies? Everyone who has done anything of help to the history of the Christian church knew what it meant to find a new prophet. They knew how to do that. The Apostle Paul had to give up the law and his Jewish ethnicity in order to brace Jesus Christ and the gospel for the Gentiles. St. Augustine had to give up Plato in order to embrace the preaching of Ambrose. Calvin had to give up Pharaoh and his failure initially at Geneva in order to embrace the teachings about the sovereignty of God from Martin Bucer. Karl Barth had to give up his earlier teachings in order to embrace the epistle to the Romans. Thomas Merton had to give up the scholastics in order to learn how to pray in a monastery. It isn't that the former teachers were wrong. We don't give up what they taught us. We give up our unique devotion to them. We embrace the reality that there are more teachers. There's more to be learned. And that the teachers of the new day can stand upon the shoulders of those we've had in the past. The goal of a three-year Master's of Divinity degree here is not to provide you a reservoir from which you will draw for the rest of your career. Please, no, you're going to have to keep learning. What we're trying to teach you here is how to keep looking for the next Samuel. How do you keep learning? Because you cannot leave unless you are devoted to constantly learning. Who will be your next prophet? The second question that uh, Saul illustrates for us is what do you do when God is silent? The Philistines were um, coming after Israel. They came as a horde of angry armies who were determined to destroy Israel. And when Saul saw the, the extensiveness of the army against him, he was terrified. And so he prayed to God. But the text is very clear. The Lord did not answer him, not by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. There was no word from God. Nothing, nada, zilch, not a single word, in spite of his fervent prayers. Whoever it is that you lead, need to at least believe that you believe. They need to believe that you believe not when belief is easy, but when it's challenging and tough, and the words from God are scarce. Once again, everyone in the biblical drama who calls upon God knows about the silence of God. One of my most reoccurring experiences in pastoral ministry has been silence. You find it all the time. You find it when you're trying to prepare words that will console a congregation at the time of a tragic funeral 
and it doesn't seem to come. You find this silence when you stand with a widow at a gravestone. Very, very silent place. You'll find it when you walk the halls of a nursing home late at night. One of the most quietest places in the world are nursing homes late at night. You find it when uh, your child has an extremely high temperature, dangerously high. You'll find this silence when a parishioner comes home to find a note on the dresser that says, I've never loved you and I'm leaving. And they want a word from you. And you want a word to give them. And the words are sometimes hard to find. Then what? What does it mean to be a leader when the words from God are hard to find? When most of all you are buffeted upon the head and shoulders by this terrifying silence. Some of us, confronted with the silence of God, will go shopping for any other word we can find. That's what Saul does. So he goes to the witch at Endor who is actually in Philistine territory. He's now actually in the camp of his army. When leaders in the kingdom of Christ look for any word they can find, they'll go to whatever is expedient or political. At least it's available. But the challenge is to live by our faith and by what our tradition has given to us as our great inheritance in spite of the silence. And now we're ready to talk about what it means to be a leader of faith. I think it was Fred Craddock who introduced the concept of having faith in spite of and faith because of. We like the faith because of part. Faith because of all the wonderful blessings that we have received. But real faith, the faith that shapes a soul with intense gravitas is a faith in spite of in spite of the silence. I grew up in a wing of the church that had testimonies at the Sunday night worship service. Someone would stand from the congregation during the worship service on Sunday nights and would give his or her testimony to the faith they had in Jesus Christ. It didn't take me long as a young boy growing up in this church to realize that most of these testimonies followed a predictable pattern. This was the pattern. I used to be a horrible person. Then I met Jesus. Now I'm a wonderful person. This was tough on kids who grew up in the church because you had to kind of invent horrible things. If you're going to give your testimony, like I stole a piece of candy one time, and I mean, because you had to follow the basic paradigm. But when we turn to scripture, we find other kinds of testimonies which are dramatically different. Look at the testimony of Paul. Paul was a wonderful person before he met Jesus. Pharisee of Pharisees, before the law, he was blameless. Who of us can say that? Before the law, I was blameless. Then I met Jesus, Paul says, and now I have been participating in his sufferings. That's a different testimony. The testimony to continue to believe in the Christ who has called us to himself in spite of the sufferings that we will continue to endure and the sufferings that people we love in the parish will inevitably experience. 
in spite of. That is what your future parishioners, the people in whatever nonprofit organization you might be leading, your students are dying to believe in, that there is a faith in spite of, a gutsy, hard faith that can take the tumults of life because you believe that down through the centuries we have learned this great inheritance of a faith that holds us in spite of the difficulties and the hardship and the heartbreak, even in spite of the times when God remains silent, we will choose to believe what we believe. And as a result, our faith will grow stronger and stronger. Your greatest calling in life is not to be a leader of the church, of your organization, of your classroom. That's not your greatest calling. Your greatest calling is to glorify and enjoy God. And there will be days when you will glorify and enjoy God because of the abundance of the blessings that you have received. And there are days when you will glorify and enjoy God in spite of the lack of them. It's not that different from any relationship Have you ever been in a relationship where you had to prove how much you loved somebody? It drive you a little nuts? Trying to constantly demonstrate how good you were, how committed you were, how much you... I think God grows weary of trying to prove the holy love that God has for us. So at times there is silence. There is an opportunity for choice on our part. A choice to believe in the love and the grace of God even on the days when it is not so apparent. And again, that may be what those you serve need most from you. There will be days when they will find belief hard. But for you to be the leader means that they need to at least believe that you believe. That you believe because of and you believe in spite of. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.